Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, this is your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie with the Master Key on this Tuesday evening. We pray that the Lord has found you in a favorable uh, disposition mindset on this Tuesday. You found yourself in a state of victory, a state of overcoming, a state of being more than a conqueror. There were a time that you and I need to really uh, lock in and believe the word of the Lord and exercise it. And that is the problem. As I begin to look around me and begin to look at the different relationships I've been in and I'm in at this present time, one of the things I was sharing with someone uh, on yesterday and today, I have not seen so much deception, self-deception, on the level I'm seeing at this present time. What has caused us to be in a state of deception? Because you got to understand the power of deception. When you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. And I, 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 it kind of almost allowed it to overwhelm me today. Uh, surely the scripture cannot lie. We have to stay fight to stay focused. Uh, Moses was dealing with about 3 million, if it's not total, 3 million, 2 million and something, of negative influences around him. His only constant was God. Now, we do realize and understand that Joshua was his his servant. Uh, Joshua served Moses. But you know and I know that negativism spread quicker than anything that is positive. How in the world this man was able to be sustained under the weight of such negativism? People that constantly came against God was contrary to God, the will of God, the purpose of God. They constantly rebelled against God. And God wanted to destroy all of them and raise up another people for Moses. And Moses interceded on their behalf. These are lessons that every leader uh, needs to really learn and walk in. If you're a leader in any kind of capacity as a father, husband, a wife, mother, pastor, businessman, school teacher, principal, uh, president of a company, it's impossible for you to be a leader and have not experienced many times the weight of negativism. And it seems like the very thing that God spoke and promised you see in the very opposite. This is one of the ways how God trained us. God took Moses in the wilderness and, and prepared him for 40 years. And then another 80 years. 40 years they went into uh, to the promised land. They mom and grandma complained, God said, go back another 40. And, of course, Moses died that second 40 before the, uh, the end of that 40 years. 
But this is one of the ways that God trained. Jesus comes from a perfect environment. He comes from heaven. There's no negativism in heaven. He comes into a sin-stricken world. He's the only per-human being that's on the planet that was not born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Had all of this negativism, this negative environment, full of sickness and disease, chaos and confusion, you name it, every spirit that was in the world before Jesus was born is in the world today. Every spirit. There's not a spirit that did not, that was not present uh, when mankind sinned that is not present today. They don't leave the earth. Or they don't leave this realm until uh, they're thrown into the lake of fire. But Jesus on the weight of all of this negativism. And uh but he his constant was the father. Moses' constant was the father. If you're going to succeed as a man of God, woman of God, or a parent, and you're gonna have to God gonna have to be your constant. If not, you're gonna get discouraged. You're gonna miss it like Moses did. Jesus didn't miss it. Not only that, Jesus had twelve men that did not believe in him. Twelve men that was his disciples that did not believe in him. His constant was the Father. Now, they believed in him after the resurrection. Even one of them was a devil. God will place a devil in your life? Yes. God will allow a person to be a satanic and demonic uh, uh, agent and put them in your life. Why would God do stuff like that? Keep us balanced and keep us to fight, to keep our focus on him, and allow him to be our protector, our shield, our butler, high time, our stronghold, that our faith, our trust, our confidence will be in him, knowing that no weapon that is formed against you can prosper. This is how another way that you mature and you develop. Now, I started off talking about, because uh, I want to go back to the scripture that we ended with last night and, uh, uh, and, and go there. We were talking about systems of rule. Systems are ruled. The scripture said no weapon formed against you can prosper. The only way a weapon that is formed against you and I can prosper is we open up the door for another system of rule. Either God is ruling or Satan going to rule. There's no in-between. And the only way Satan can rule that I have developed or allowed his system to be established for him to rule in my life. The scripture said, by one man, sin entered into the world. And by one man, righteousness entered into the world. So sin entered in through a system. Righteousness re-entered in through a system. The system of heaven or the system of the kingdom of darkness. And the way it works is once obedience is established in any one of those uh, 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 entities, then a Satanic or a kingdom, I want to use the word kingdom, heavenly system is established. Either God's going to rule in my life and through my life, or Satan's going to rule in my life and through my life. That's why the Bible says give Satan no place. I want you to listen to this because it's going to help us tonight. you got to understand Satan don't play fair. He does not play fair. 
And so many times people get frustrated. So well, I bound him, and, 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 and he left for a season, but then he came back again because he do not play fair. That, why, why you think he is called the devil? Why is he called the devil? Why do you think he's, he is called a liar? He deceives the brethren, the scripture says. Why do you think the Bible says he's the deceiver of the brethren? He don't play by the same rules of heaven. He have already created and established his own rules. So he don't play fair. And you've got to understand that. And we really, really uh, got to get back into the place with God where we walk by faith and not by sight. And understanding the realm of the spirit, and ask God to pray, and ask God to open up our eyes, that we're able to really discern and see the source behind everything that we're in relationship with. This is very important. According to the scripture about, not according to scripture, I made a statement about I've never seen so much deception. And I'm talking about people really believe that they are making it with God when they're not. I've never seen it like like this before. And these people believe because we go to church, we're going to make it. I want to, before I go there, Lord, it's quick something to me. I, uh, uh, I have a leadership training on, on um, last Saturday, uh, Saturday before last. And uh, I put a question to the people uh, about salvation. I want to go to a scripture that basically everybody used to quote. And uh, I want to have a dialogue on that before I go into uh, uh, our dissertation uh, tonight or our conversation uh, tonight. I'm giving my, I'm using this electronic Bible, so I'm giving it time to open up here. Romans chapter 10, that's the scripture I want to go to. Now this is, this is, this is, was was fascinating to me, but I shouldn't be fascinated because Jesus walked and experienced this, even with his own disciples. And who was Jesus' greatest enemy? Who was the greatest antagonistic force in the earth realm against Jesus during Jesus' day? It wasn't the Romans. It was the religious leaders of his day. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell people all the time, the greatest enemy is not sinners. The greatest enemy is carnal Christians. Christians that is confessing to be saved but carnal is the greatest enemy to the kingdom of God. Why? Because a carnal Christian is one that is confessing to be saved, but they still walking and living a lifestyle of an unbeliever. And the reason what makes it dangerous is because Jesus says, I prefer you hot or cold. Or other words, I prefer you save or not save. I prefer you a born-again believer or not a born-again believer. Or if you're lukewarm, which is a carnal Christian, I will spew you out of my mouth. And why did Jesus make that statement, ladies and gentlemen? It's because... When we confess to be a Christian, but yet we're carnal, we still uh, uh, dominated by the dictates of our flesh, we deceive people, we manipulate people, we treat people, we lead people astray. And that is 
what we see in the body. But the problem is they don't know that. They, they really don't. Now, those my radio audience tonight, my question would be to, are you a Christian? Most likely, this radio probably is. You probably you would say yes. What do the word Christian mean? The word Christian means what? Christ-like. When were, where's the first word Christian that is in the Bible? Where do you first see that word Christian in the Bible? In the book of Acts. They wasn't called Christians in the beginning. But what made them, but why did they call them Christians? See, we got to understand, why did they call them Christians? And if we discover why they called them Christians, and then we have to ask ourselves, am I like them, like they were, for people to start calling me a Christian? They didn't call them Christians just to call them Christians. They had to call them Christian because they saw something. They saw a difference, a different kind of people they never saw in the earth. And these people that they saw, they was operating and walking and living just like Jesus. That's why they called them Christians. They didn't call them Christians because of the scripture, I'm getting ready to quote to you that where we where we have hurt so many people concerning salvation. And I personally believe, and this is not a judgment call, this is me, because I, I would never point my finger at you and say you're not saved. I would never do that. And have nothing to do with a person sinning or not sinning. Have nothing to do because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Christians. Now, if we this somewhere, I personally believe this is me. I personally believe somewhere you gotta understand Satan is a master. He knows the scripture greater than all of us. Every human being on the face of it is put together because he is a supernatural being. But somewhere you gotta understand how Satan operates. He is a master manipulator. So he know he's listen. He's not coming to you and I directly. Head on. He know that you are going to say no if you come head on. It usually don't come that way. Usually it comes through the power of suggestion, just like he did with Eve in the Garden of Eden. He's going to make you think it's okay. And he's going to show you that nothing is going to happen to you, or he will show you somebody else that's confessed to be a Christian, doing the same thing. See, ain't nothing happened to them. That's how you operate. They say, well, okay, it must be okay, but look at so-and-so. And they're still being used by God. They're still preaching. They're still teaching. They're still floating uh, in the gifts of the Spirit. So, you know, it must not be that bad. That's how he operate. That's exactly what he did with uh, Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden. God knows uh, that you are not going to die if you partake of this fruit. But the, how everyone sins is this, but on this principle here. 
He shows you how it's okay and how it's going to benefit you. He don't, he, don't, he don't let you focus on violating your relationship with God or violating the order of God. He don't, he don't do that. He shows you, first of all, you're not going to die. Second of all, God don't want you to be like him. But if you do this, you're going to be just like God. It shows you, if you do this thing, how you're going to benefit some kind of way. If it's still some money, how you're going to benefit, how you can gain, how much money you can get. He's going to show you that other people care more about you and love you and respect you more than people do that's around you. That's how he operates. He shows you how you can benefit. What you don't understand, he's activating the spirit of selfishness. Every sin is committed as a result of selfishness. Every sin. You focus on what you want, or you focus on what you're not getting. And so, therefore, and you focus on what you have done, what you have given, and it's not being reciprocated. That's how you operate. So he tells Eve, God knows that if you partake of this, you're not going to die. First, you lied on God. Then he showed her how she would benefit. Now, understand, her benefiting is going to destroy her relationship with God and her husband. First her husband, well, uh, really her husband, then God. And the reason I say that is because she received her authority from her husband. Her husband received That's how he operates. So what he does say, he said, listen, God knows that you're not going to die, but God, at the time, he don't want you becoming like him. Who tried to take God's place? Satan. So what you say he's going to tempt humanity with? To try to usurp the authority or to, to, to uh, covet. Covet the position that God did not grant you. That's how it operates, ladies and gentlemen. You see this in every area and facet of life. And I guarantee you, if you go look, begin to meditate on the sins that you have committed, this is exactly what has happened. He show you how you're not benefiting and show you how you can benefit and show you how you deserve to violate this relationship or to violate the authority of God. That, that's how you operate. So he says, if you partake of this, you're not going to die because God knows you're going to be just like him, knowing good and evil. He don't want you to be like him. You ever notice this, Eve? You ever notice that when God comes down and talks, he never talked to you. He talked to Adam, and then Adam come, turned around and talked to you. Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is a divine principle. It really is. Because if you would notice how the prophets was trained in the Old Testament, it is, it is a principle. It is a, an established rule. I, I, I don't know if I want to use that word, rule. Uh, but it's a, an established system of rule. Let me put it that way. System of rule. Elijah, Elijah would tell Elijah to go say this to this person. Elijah would tell Jehazi, go say this to that person. It's a, it's a, it's a, 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 a uh, system of rule. 
and, and this and this is the key. If the person you go tell to tell this person this, if they can articulate verbatim everything you said, it is a revelation, and you can't do that unless this happened. It is a revelation. You have become one with the authority that God has assigned to your life. If you, I, I forgot, what did you say again? It is a rep- it's a revelation that there's something in someone else that have an occupancy in your heart more than the authority that God has signed to your life. See, all of these are little, t- little things you, you probably never heard of in your life, but this is, this is part of prophetic training. And if you understood this and read the Bible and, and apply these principles, you, you'll see exactly where people that's located that's in relationship with you. If I give somebody an assignment, if I am the authority of my household, that we read yesterday in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through, I think, 9, uh, Christ is the authority. Christ can authority, uh, give authority to the husband. The husband gives authority to the wife. That works like that in a home. That works like that in a business. That works like that politically. That works like that uh, 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 business-wise. Almost in every arena. Same pattern, same principle. So the husband lives for the glory of the one that gave him authority, which was Christ. The wife should live for the glory of the one that gave her authority, which is the husband. It's the same thing in a church, ladies and gentlemen, and the same thing with children. And children live for the glory of the parents. They live. And how does it work? The husband, number one focus is Christ. He receives authority from Christ. He gets instruction from Christ for his life, for his spouse and children, his family. The husband gives the wife instruction or authority for him. It's really not for him, but it's for him who gave him authority. It's really for Christ. So Satan understands that. Let me get the wife to violate the authority of the husband, because she really will be violating the authority of Christ. Sad work. Are you, are you getting this? My prayer to God that you, you, you're really getting this. So Satan manipulates Eve. He said, listen, when God come down, you ever know he don't come talk to you? He talked to Adam. Adam talked to you. He gave Adam instruction, Adam gave you instruction. See, you don't have to tolerate it anymore. If you partake of this tree, this fruit from this tree, you're going to be just like God. You can bypass your husband, and you can be just like God himself. Sad work, ladies and gentlemen. Sad work. And watch this right here. So she partook. And the Bible says she also gave to her husband. And he ate also. But notice, this is, the, this is the clincher. This is how the enemy gets you. You partake of the forbidden fruit. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. You give it to your authority. And your authority, only reason Adam ate, because he saw no change. Because he knew what God said. God told Adam directly. Adam told Eve directly, if we partake of this fruit, we're going to die. She ate it. He didn't see no death. He saw no change. They see, look, look at me, baby. Look. 
Ain't no change. And when he ate, that's when the change took place. She did not die until he ate. I'm going to say it again. She did not die until he ate. When he ate, both of them became naked and ashamed. They was clothed in the glory of God. God clothed Adam in his glory. Took out the woman, made, take, took out the rib of the man, caused him in his sleep, took out the rib of the man, made the woman, and put the glory that was on Adam on her, which was really his glory. Adam was clothed with the glory of God. Eve was clothed with the glory of Adam, which still is the glory of God. Adam had no glory apart from God. So when he partook of um, uh, uh, the fruit, he didn't see anything with her. She didn't die. But when he partook of her, she died. And he died. They lost the glory. That's how the enemy operates. He manipulates it. Look, hey, look, look at other people. Ain't nothing wrong with it. Look at, see how God is using so-and-so? See how God is using that person? See how God is using that person? It's okay. You, you, you're only human. God knows you're human. So since God knows you're human, it's okay. That's how he gets you, ladies and gentlemen. So you, you start looking at people in the earth. You look at this person, what they went through, that person, what they went through, this person, what they went through, and they're still ministering. And they 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 made they made a mistake and they said listen I I, I stop forgive me blah, blah blah and you said well you know I'm not I don't have no ministry like them I'm not big as them and and, and God still using them it must be okay with me that's dangerous to think like that because if you partake you may not recover you may not recover because we learn from one another you don't man is not your standard God is the standard. That's how he, he gets you. So he partook in, then both of them died. Both of them died. But the death did not take place with Eve. Because when she sinned, she still was covered by the glory that Adam gave her from God. It's when Adam ate. The devil killed two birds with one stone because she could have been recovered by Adam not eating. She could have been restored by Adam not eating. She could have been reconciled by Adam not eating because now God has access to Eve through Adam. He's still in harmony with God. He's still in relationship with God. So now God has legal access to the woman through the man and could restore her because the authority did not sin. The authority of the woman did not sin. Are you getting this? So all satanic manipulation is to get you and I to see how we're going to benefit. See, the devil showed her how she's going to benefit. Adam had no excuse. How was he going to benefit? She didn't tell him, well, you know, that uh, this is how, if you eat this right here, this is how you're going to benefit. You're going to be just like God. No, the serpent told Eve that. Adam just ate. 
after he was observing her and he saw no change with her, he said, well, then maybe God did lie to lie. Because I don't see no change. And he partook. And he died. And, of course, we understand he died spiritually. He died spiritually. So as we begin to understand the manipulation of the power of darkness, ladies and gentlemen, that's, that's been assigned to us. We've got to learn uh, how to work this thing. So iniquity patterns or systems of of uh, a rule is established. And the rule, the system of rule of Satan was established when Adam partook of the fruit. And now his system of rule was established in the earth realm. Not only established in the earth realm, but it was established through the bloodline. It was established through Adam's bloodline. That's why all of us that is born in the earth were born in sin and shaped in iniquity because of the system of rule and the lives of humanity came as a result of Adam establishing a system of iniquity rule or the rule of iniquity through his bloodline. Adam died spiritually. Eve died spiritually. And then the spirit of death manifested itself in the natural because it was in the bloodline. That spirit that entered into the bloodline manipulated the oldest son to kill his brother. Here's a spiritual death manifested in a natural death. Natural death always is the result of a spiritual death. Always. It was the spirit, the death spiritually that released death naturally because God had to kill an animal uh, uh, and shed blood to cover at their sins and and to clothe them in animal skin. So God first killed the first animal on the behalf of uh, Adam and Eve. But the spirit of murder was released in the earth realm. It really wasn't Cain. We say who who committed the first murder? Say Cain. No, Adam committed the first murder. He he murdered somebody. Yeah, himself and all the humanity. When Adam sinned against God, everybody died. All of humanity died in the loins of Adam. Every man upon the face of this earth and that will ever be born into the earth realm died when Adam died. We just came forth in our season. But all of humanity was in the loins of Adam way back then in the Garden of Eden. Are you getting this? Now, I want to read this scripture here. I was talking about salvation. That was a long route to talk about salvation because this deception thing, ladies and gentlemen, this deception thing is so powerful. Deception wouldn't be powerful if deception did not appear to be true. If it did not appear to be true, it wouldn't work. The only way deception where it appeared to be true. And we have established, watch it right here. So Satan, some kind of way, have established a system of rule that appeared to be Christian, that appeared to be God, that appeared to be of God. It got to be that he won't be able to manipulate us. He won't be able to trick us. Because he's not coming straight on and saying, this is sin. The 
The Bible says he will transform himself as an angel like. So he's going to come to you and I with scripture, baby. Just like he did with Jesus in the wilderness of temptation. He's coming with scripture that is not rightly divided. I want to look at the scripture here that everybody uses when they lead somebody to Christ. And you cannot show me in the Bible. Show me in the scripture, ladies and gentlemen, where we see anywhere from Acts, I was going to say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but salvation wouldn't take place. The church wasn't established until the day of Pentecost. So from Acts to the book of Revelation. Show me in the scripture from the book of Acts to the book of Revelation where somebody led somebody to Jesus the way we do it. And, and I'm open. If we got anybody online uh, uh, with us to, on this broadcast tonight, just uh, click number one on your uh, dial, and then we can have this dialogue. Because I may be missing it. I'd be the first one to let everybody know I don't know everything at all, period. Not even close. So I may have missed it somewhere. But this is what we get. This is what we call salvation here. This is where you get it from is... Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Let me, let, me, um, let me start with verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of what? Faith, which we what? Preach. The word of faith which we preach. Now, what is the word of faith that they preached? What did the apostles preach? Now, this is Paul writing to the Roman church. What did they preach? They preached Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't preach faith from the perspective of how we teach faith. Getting the house and the car and a wife and a husband uh, uh, and a business. It had nothing to do with things and stuff. Faith, biblical faith, have every single thing. The foundation of all biblical faith is, is confidence, trust, reliance upon a person. And that person is Jesus. Who is the creator and the source of the instrument of God's creation of all things. Colossians tells us that. It was by Christ. All things was made. There's nothing made that was not made that wasn't made by him. But it's not the thing he made. It's him who made it. Our faith should be in. This is how it works. But we've really gotten off track. But let me finish reading this right here. Verse 9, once again. Now, verse 8. But what saith, uh, What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The word of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if you, now this is what we preach, the word of faith that we preach, watch it right here, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what's going to happen? You will be saved. He said, what's going to happen? You will be saved. You say, well, preacher, that's what we do. We, 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 we meet somebody. We, we, we quote the scripture to them. We say, 
The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's what we, is it, what's the problem? That's what we do. Then verse 10 says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. That means then I must be persuaded. That's what belief, real believing is. You, you, you're persuaded. Uh, so with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So what's the problem, preacher? That's what we do. We, 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 we share the scripture with them and say, would you like to give your life to the Lord now? They say yes, and then I say, repeat after me. Lord God, Lord God, or Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin, I repent of my sins. Come into my life, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior, be my Lord and Savior. That's all it takes, it's by faith. You're saved now. Was that faith? And really was that salvation? You say, yeah, because they confess with their mouth. They believe in their heart. That, uh, uh, believe in their heart, uh, let, me, let me quote it here, uh, uh, verse 9. Uh, they they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus, and they believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, and now they save. Really, and that's the problem. It's impossible for them to be saved by quoting that scripture. And I'm going to show you. Let's look at this. Scripture always interprets itself. Say that with me, if you will. Scripture always interprets itself. Let's go to verse 17, a very famous scripture everybody knows and can quote, 1017. So then faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. But what word of God is he talking about here? Line upon line, precept upon precept. The word of God, the word of God about Christ. Faith, no, that's right. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. Okay, I'm hearing a message about Christ, which is the word of God, to produce faith in my heart about Christ. So I can receive Christ. Now watch this right here. Watch this right here. In the scripture, I mean, it, this thing is beautiful. And what I just quoted here, you can find it right in the book of Acts. And I'm going to tell you the story. Stephen, tell you the story. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he preached a message about Christ. First, he preached a history about the prophets prophesying Christ's coming and how you killed him and destroyed him. So, so, you got to understand how to work. Then Stephen, James did the same thing. Talked on the history of the prophetic word, why God sent Christ. Talked about sin, him coming to redeem mankind. Oh, the whole works. You don't do that. You just said, can you, if you just confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. And watch this right here. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by um, the word of God. 
Then let's go back up here, verse 14, come back down again. How then shall they, uh, no, let me, let, me, right, let me go back up because this is beautiful too, verse 13. For whosoever calls on the name of, uh, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that, what is that saying? All I got to do is say, Jesus, then I'm saved. Ladies and gentlemen, you got sinners that have the, that, that is named Jesus. In Jesus' day, there was a lot of Jesus. There was a lot of Jesus even in Jesus' day. So it got to mean something else then. Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they call on him in whom they have not what? Believe. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Have they heard him? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Lord, who has believed our report? Are, are you getting this now? Who has believed our report? Then it goes on to say, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, they have not believed our report. Now watch this right here. Watch this right here. This is beautiful, ladies and gentlemen. So if you are witnessing to somebody, sharing Christ with somebody, it's got to be your report. It's got to be your report. What do you have to report? about your encounter and your experience with Jesus, about his death, about his burial, about his resurrection, about his ascension, about his enthronement. What have you experienced so you can give a report? Now the Holy Spirit has something to work through me and through you to somebody else. I can now make Jesus real to someone because Jesus has been made real to me because I have experienced him, and now I have a report. And that's the problem. We got people that has made this confession, made this confession, and, and who have not, do not have a report themselves. Say, so why can you say that, preacher? Okay. He says, first of all, you're going to confess the Lord Jesus. Confess who? The Lord Jesus. The one that's given the report must have experienced the Lordship of Jesus. And to experience the lordship of Jesus, not only the lordship of Jesus, and, and believing hard that God raised him from the dead. Not only, watch it right here. This is the beautiful part. You and I must experience the resurrection of Christ to experience the lordship of Christ. I know you never heard it this way before. 
And that's the problem with the church. That's why the church is weak. Why so many people in the church is weak. Because it's just a confession. It's just a confession. Something you say with your mouth. So, so watch this right here. He brings out Romans 10 and 9. Paul brings out, watch this right here. This is beautiful. Romans 10 and 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, how can someone confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus if they have never experienced the Lord Jesus or the person that's giving you the report have experienced the Lord Jesus, and because they have experienced it, they are giving you detail how they have experienced the Lord Jesus, how Jesus has been Lord in their life. Now the Holy Spirit really can work that. That's just right here. This is beautiful. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your, your heart that God has raised him from the dead, now, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. You take a person that has never been to church like I did. I wasn't raised up in church. Somebody came to me and said, listen, uh, uh, you need to receive Jesus. If you don't receive Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell. Would you like to receive him? And watch this right here. This is beautiful. Usually a person is going to say yes if they're in trouble. If their parents are sick, their children are sick. Some kind of adversity, or they may be oppressed, depressed, they, they'll say yes to almost anything. They believe that there is a God, but they've never been to church. I believe there was a God, but I, I, I wasn't raised. I went to church when I was a little kid. But a, a, a guy came by, and I asked my mama, can you take, up to, take the kids to the church, and, and, and to his church, and he'd come by on the church bus or the church van, and we'd get in there and go while my mom and daddy stayed home. My daddy probably wasn't home, but they, they, they didn't go to church. So I really wasn't raised up in church because I didn't pay no attention to, uh, 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 to it. Went on an old sanctified church. But somebody come to me and say, listen, man, you need to give your life to the Lord. If you don't give your life to the Lord, you're going to die and go to hell. Now, I don't want to go to hell. And so I said, well, would you like to receive him now? Yeah, man, I'll I, I receive him. Well, listen, it's by faith. All you got to do is make this confession. Uh, 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 confess the Lord Jesus Christ. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible said you will be saved. Oh, that's all you got to do. Well, we are you ready to confess the Lord Jesus right Yeah. Well, Father, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Father, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. Father, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. Man, that's it. You're saved. Now think about it, ladies and gentlemen. How can I believe that God raised him from the dead when I don't even know if that's true or not? I don't know when he died. I don't know when God raised him from the dead. I don't know what was even accomplished when he died on the cross. I don't know what was accomplished when he was raised from the dead. I don't know any of that. I just said something with my mouth, and I could never, ever look forward to experiencing that. You want to know why? Because I have not got a full report. What was accomplished? When Jesus died on Calvary's cross, he died for the sins of all humanity. Sin entered into the world by one man. When one man disobeyed God, it was a man in the Garden of Eden. His name was Adam. He sinned against God. And because he sinned, the Bible says sin came upon all humanity. 
Every person is born in sin and shaping iniquity. Psalm 51 tells us that. And so, therefore, all of us need a Savior. He died for the sin of the world, but the only way my sins can be forgiven me, I got to receive the sacrifice that God offered for all of humanity. And God sent his son down over 2,000 years ago for the sole purpose of dying on Calvary's cross uh, that all of humanity can be saved because it's not God's will that any man should perish, but all men come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He, he literally removes sin and conquers sin, rather, conquers sin on Calvary's cross. So that is a to receive him is to receive, when you receive him, you're receiving the forgiveness of your sins. Your sins is acquitted. Every sin that you ever thought, did, fortification has been, will be removed from you. The moment you receive him. And not only that, but when he rose from the dead, he didn't just rise from the dead. He rose with everything that you will ever need to be the person that God has ordained upon and known you to be. He rose with everything that you will ever need to be the husband, the father, the wife, the mother, the, uh, the children, the parent, uh, the businessman that you will ever need. He rose with everything. Everything, wisdom and love and peace and joy, divine health and prosperity. He rose with it all. How many people have articulated this to you and, 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 uh, when you, you was led to Christ? And how can you now have faith in the resurrection, a faith in the cross, if you don't have an accurate report? And this has been the problem. So we walk around here oppressed, depressed, and suppressed for we've been saved 50 years. And we know why? Because um, we still been going to church and still don't have an adequate report. And so, therefore, how could you have your faith in him when you don't know him? That's, I gave an illustration of a mentor a couple of men a few minutes a couple of weeks ago. And I used uh, uh, one of my spiritual sons, uh, George. I, say, I, I was shared to give them an illustration by George. Uh, he, I, I named by four things. George can do almost anything. He can do electric, electrical work. He can do plumbing work. He can do cars. Uh, 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 he do computers and build computers from the ground up. Uh, uh, I mean, a whole host of things he can do. But that's one man. I named four things, and all four of those things he do very well is in one man. Now, if I don't know all of those things is in him, I can never have faith in him for those things. Because I don't know he can do all of those things. Now, he can be around me for ten years, and I don't know he can do all four of those things. And, and, and if I need a plumber, I call on a plumber. A plumber comes to my house, I pay the plumber. If I need an electrician, I call on an electrician. He comes to my house. And, and, and George, that, why are you doing that? You, well, I can do that. You can do that? Yeah, I, I can do electrical work. I do plumbing too. I fix on cars. I build computers from the ground. What? I have him, but don't know him. He's in my presence, but I don't know him. So if I don't know him, how can I call on him? I can't call on him. But I got him. But that's who he is. Not what he has, 
who he is. One man that can do four things. Jesus is one man, and through his death and resurrection, he God gathered all things, Colossians says, in the heavens and in the earth, and placed them in one man, Christ. So whatever you need is in Christ. But you got to have a relationship with the man, Christ. I got a relationship with George. That the relationship with him, he being my son, that what he can do is made available to me because he's, I'm in relationship with him. And how would I know he can do those things? It's because I'm in fellowship with him. Through the fellowship and dialogue and communing, then I'm able to discover all the things he can do. It's the same thing with Jesus. Got him but don't know it. And the majority of Christians that way. And watch this right here. Why would I ever need to call on George if there isn't something that has taken place that requires a dimension of George? Why call on him for electrical if my electrical is working? Why call on him for plumbing? Is all my plumbing work? I don't need him. But I'm still in relationship with him. I still dialogue with him from time to time. Relationship. And the reason I brought that out, or the Lord just brought that out, ladies and gentlemen. Let me see what my time is. I'm up here. I don't know how much time I got here. I'm just dialoguing here. Oh, I got about nine minutes. Watch this right here. Where we miss God at. When the Lord allow you to be put in a storm and call you out of the boat. Your response is going to be revealed if you know him or you don't know him. If I know George can do electrical work, matter of fact, I called on him today. I told him I need I need a uh, 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 a bracket. Uh, those wire closet uh, cloak uh, hangers, uh, how would you call it? The rod that hang up clothes and it broke. Had action. I need you to fix that. And I needed it done today. And I totally forgot about it. I, was to, I, was, I should have mentioned that to him yesterday, but I forgot about it. And he made the adjustment in the schedule, and he went and fixed it. Now, how would I call on him if I didn't know he can do that? And watch this right here. This is what makes us and make Jesus look bad. Because it's in the crisis. Who is the first person you call on? And you usually call on a human being because you don't know that he can become that to you. You have him, but you don't call on him. So he's not real to you. He's not real to you. And probably because you have not come along some, aside somebody for somebody to disciple you into a relationship with Christ. That's how they did it in the, uh, in, in, in the book of Acts. 
They went from house to house breaking bread and about in the apostles' doctrine. Great signs, wonders, and miracles broke out, and God was adding to the church daily because they was experiencing Christ. The signs, wonders, and miracles had everything to do with the manifestation of Christ, had everything to do with the resurrection of Christ, the lordship of Christ. That's what the signs, wonders, and miracles. It was the lordship of Christ. The signs, wonders, and miracles. Whatever the signs, wonders, and miracles was at that time, it could have been sickness, healing of sickness and diseases, casting out devils. Uh, it could have been the multiplication of finances. Uh, it, it, it could have been a whole number of things over this natural world that he was Lord over it. And so the signs, wonders, and miracles broke out. When a situation came up, they did not panic. They called on the name of the Lord, and he manifested himself because they knew God raised him from the dead. For God to raise him from the dead, that means he's, he's above everything that was dead. And anything that is apart from God is dead. So this whole world, it was dead. And so therefore, they had an opportunity to express the lordship of Christ over that which is dead. And if Jesus is lord over his dead, then what was dead now is reconciled back in harmony and favor with God. It's impossible for you, I was talking this, sharing this with somebody uh, yesterday and this today, to be afraid of anybody and you know Jesus. Impossible. And that's what makes us religious. That's what makes us religious. We have a form of godliness but deny the power. Jesus is God's power. Jesus is God's authority. Now we're talking about this, uh, these uh, uh, iniquity patterns, and, and I really want to talk about generational things, and I was going to deal with it today, but the Spirit of God totally shift. This whole, this whole session today is prophetic in nature, this whole session. Ladies and gentlemen, you will never get to know Jesus if you don't allow Jesus to put you in a situation for him to manifest himself to you. You need your own story. You need your own report. And the Bible never told us to go out witnessing anyway. It's not even scripture. The Bible tells us to be a witness. To be a witness. And the majority of Christian, but many Christians, it cannot be a witness. They cannot be a witness because they cancel every opportunity to be a witness. You got the witness for yourself. He's a provider. You got a witness for yourself. He is a healer. You got a witness for yourself. He is a deliverer. You got a witness for yourself. He is merciful and gracious. You got a witness so you can be a witness. That when somebody else is going through something is being challenged and they're wavering in their confidence in Jesus, their faith in Jesus, now you step up and you be a witness and give your report. Listen, I was in a situation like that about three years ago. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, God gave me this scripture right here, and I stood on this word, to, and it looked like we was going to be wiped out, but I held on. And at the last second, I got a knock on the door, and God came through. Exactly what I needed. God came through. I'm telling you, if you hold on, he'll come through for you. I'm being a witness of the cross 
a witness of the resurrection, a witness of the ascension, a witness of the enthronement of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he is Lord over every devil, he is my victor, he is my conqueror, he is my overcomer, I am a witness. My time base back up. Can I pray for you? It's 7 o'clock. Can, can, can I give me about three more minutes? I want to pray for you before I leave. All of you that has joined us, that you want to encounter him. And some of you are in some difficult situations. Don't you understand you are a candidate for the miracle? That's all it is. You are a candidate for a miracle. Just don't waver. This is your candidate to encounter him, to experience the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You are a candidate to experience the cross that conquered and defeated Satan and broke his power. Broke his, not his power, his authority. Broke his authority off of you. He had no right to you. He had no right to your spouse. He had no right to your children. He had no right to your finances. He had no right to your health. He had no right to your destiny. He had no right to the purpose of God in your life. He had no right. The cross broke his right, but the resurrection restored your right for your health, your right for your uh, uh, relationships, your right for the restoration of your children, relationship with God, your right to a job, your right to your uh, finances for your bills to be paid or to be debt free. The resurrection accomplished that. The cross broke Satan's right. He lost, broke his authority over all humanity. Father, I just lift up this radio audience even this day. Every man, woman, boy, and girl up under the sound of my voice, I bring them up under the, the uh, bring them subject to the grace, the favor, the anointing of God that is upon my life that has been articulated to this radio audience even this day. We speak that Cardinal Morning Segregation in the midst of all satanic, demonic, flesh, and soulish interference and manipulation has been assigned to your sons and your daughters. Every lie in Jesus' mighty name, we call down the judgment and the fire of God upon every lie of the enemy. We call down the judgment of God upon every enemy that will cause them to turn within and to focus on themselves, self-preservation, self-importance, anything about self. Holy Spirit, dismantle this mentality, this mindset in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, I pray right now in Jesus' mighty name that the Spirit of God will begin to provoke every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice to step out of the boat, Lord God, that they can encounter the Lord Jesus Christ experience the Lord Jesus Christ, witness the resurrection of forward and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will have their own report, they will have their own story in Jesus' mighty name, and let their faith come, let their faith go from glory to glory, Father, we ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for praise being released out of their mouth, a praise being released out of their hearts, a praise being released from their mind, even now in the name of the Lord Jesus, grace them to walk by faith and not by sight, grace them to step out because you stirred them up today. You gave them a word today that they can hold on to, a word to produce faith in their hearts, faith in their mind, faith in their existence in Jesus' name, knowing that Jesus really is Lord, Master, and King over every circumstance or situation. Lord God, we thank you for resurrection of and power being released unto the hearers, even this day in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, right now, we speak right now to that fractured relationship in the name of Jesus. Satan, you have no right to it in Jesus' mighty name. So 
prayer for him. By the blood of the cross, I come and get you now. And I break your influence. I break your manipulation. I break your alliance off of this fractured relationship. Now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, loose it and let it go. Loose it and let it go. And I release resurrection authority and resurrection power in that fractured relationship. And I bring that relationship subject to the Lordship of Christ, the preeminence of Christ Jesus, the Son of the living God. Lord God, right now, in Jesus' name, I speak right now to the lie of the spirit of infirmity that's been manipulating this individual's body in Jesus' mighty name. Lord God, I come against it, and I call down the judgment of God upon it. You operate it illegally in Jesus' mighty name. And by the blood of the cross, we cancel the manipulation of the spirit of infirmity, the spirit of deformity in Jesus' mighty name. We cancel, of God, the spirit of poverty and life in Jesus' name. We cancel the spirit of chaos and confusion, division, separation, and divorce in the name of the Lord Jesus. We cancel the spirit of rebellion and stubbornness, self-will, anti-submissiveness, even now in the name of Jesus. We cancel the spirit of delay in Jesus' mighty name. We cancel every hindrance spirit in the name of Jesus. Let the fire of God consume you. By the blood of the cross, we cancel your assignment. We cancel your manipulation, even now in the name of Jesus. But we release resurrection of thought and power. Resurrection power in your body. Resurrection power in your soul. Resurrection power in your mind, in your thoughts, in your imaginations, your emotions and affection. We release resurrection power and authority even in your spirit. We command your spirit to be set free now in Jesus' name from every weight in Jesus' name, from every bondage, every tie, every rope, every chain. I command the spirits of the men and women under the sound of my voice. I command them to be set free now in Jesus' name by resurrection power, resurrection authority in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we cancel right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Unemployment in Jesus' mighty name. Not so in Jesus' name. Not so in Jesus' name. But Lord God, Jesus rules with employment. And we release uh, employment, even now for those that need jobs, in Jesus' name. We speak it, we decree it, and we declare it to be so. Divine health is flowing from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. Every one of your members, I command them to function on the resurrection power, resurrection authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Be healed, be delivered and set free, even now in the name of Jesus. Ah, that spirit that comes to interfere with your progress in the name of you, the enemy of your progress in the name of Jesus, the enemy of your increase. Let the fire of God consume them and in the name of Jesus. By the blood of the cross, I cancel your assignment. I cancel your manipulation in Jesus' mighty name. But I release resurrection of God and power in your progress, in your increase. Increase, man of God. Increase, woman of God. I speak it in my by the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. It is taking place now. Breakthrough is taking place. Breakthrough is taking place. Breakthrough is taking place in every area facet of your life, even now. Your relationships in the name of Jesus. And I command what the heavens has purpose for you. I command it right now in the name of you to be released. What the heavens has purpose for you. I command it to be released. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of your purpose. Jesus is the fulfillment of what the heavens has purpose for your life. Jesus is the ultimate in our release, the increase of the momentum of the manifestation and demonstration of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Our release, the preeminency of Christ, the supremacy of Christ over your spirit, soul, heart, mind, and body, and everything that is connected to you in, relate, in relationship with you. This is your due season at that time. This is your season of breakthrough. It's done, started, and sealed now. In Jesus' name. I release restitution and restoration even now. Just restoring the years that the local, the canker, and the caliph, and the former one has eaten. In Jesus' issue, restoration. The devil can't stop Jesus. The devil can't stop Jesus. He is your restoration of all things. He is your restitution of all things. He is your redeemer. will redeem you from the hand of every enemy. Come on, men of God. Come on, women of God. Shake yourself. Stand up and hold your head up and watch what your Jesus do. It's only by faith. Faith in his death. Faith in his burial. Faith in his resurrection, faith in his ascension and enthronement, Jesus is Lord. This has been your host, Dr. E. Jim McKenzie with the Master Key. We pray to the, to the Lord that Jesus was exalted this, today on this land. I pray that you got clarity concerning salvation. You're only called a Christian because you, you're Christ-like. People see Jesus. Not in church. It's our life that we live. And if you ever miss God, he is your redeemer. He is your atonement. He is your propitiation. He's faithful just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is not your condemnation. He is not your guilt and your shame that comes from the devil. But he is your conviction through the Holy Spirit. Yield to the conviction. Repent. Make the adjustment in your heart and your mind. It's your walk and it's not your talk. When you begin to walk it, then you begin to establish systems of rule, even the system of the rule of God in your life. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Let's keep one another lifted up in prayer. Once again, this has been your host, Dr. Jimmy Kiss with the Master Key. Let your dreams be induced by the Holy Spirit. Let your sleep be sweet tonight. In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm.